And I apologize to everybody in Major League Baseball. <laughs> My family, the Marises, but Selig, Today was the hardest day of my life. Hi, I'm Chris Brown. Since February, my attorney has advised me not to speak out, even though ever since the incident, I wanted to publicly express my deepest regret and accept full responsibility. Although I would do some interviews and answer some questions in the future, I felt it was time that you heard directly from me that I am sorry. Hi, I'm Reed Hastings, CEO and co-founder of Netflix. I'm Andy Rundich, and I head up DVD operations at Netflix. We've been working for the past 14 years to build Netflix year by year into the best possible service we could build. And we're making this video today to apologize in person, or at least on camera, for something that we did recently. Every one of you has good reason to be critical of me. I want to say to each of you, simply and directly, I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in. It's one of those nights, you know, we went out to dinner in Atlanta and we had one too many glasses of wine. We thought we were fine to drive and we absolutely were not. Um, and it's just completely unacceptable and we are so sorry and embarrassed and uh, we know better. Uh, my wife, Regina, uh, she has been horribly uh, hurt uh, by my behavior and when when something happens like that if you if you hurt a person and it's your responsibility you try to fix it and at that point there's only two things that can happen either you're going to make some progress and get it fixed or you're going to fall short and perhaps not get it fixed so let me tell you folks I got my work cut out for me Good morning. My name is Daniel Wilson, and I am one of the pastors here at West. And if you are joining us here at Lake Norman High School, we welcome you. But also, if you are joining us online, we say a special welcome to you as well. And thank you for taking some time out of your day to come and worship with us this morning. I have to admit to you, I'm feeling a little out of sorts today. Um, Andrea asked if I would be willing to wear a robe, and I thought, absolutely, at my previous church, we wore robes every week, so that won't be a problem at all. <clears throat> this wasn't exactly what I had in mind, um, but we continue our uh, message series, Get Naked, which is based off of a book that uh, a guy named Brian McLaren wrote, and it is called Naked Spirituality. Um, and the essence of what Mr. McLaren is trying to help us with is an understanding of how to get back to the basics, how to become our true self with God. If you will remember, uh, last week, Andrea talked about three words. Those were, oh, hear, and thanks. 
And so we continue along this week, and we are going to talk about only one word this week because it's a rather intense word. It's a hard word. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry's come in all shapes and sizes. Uh, For example, I will start off by saying I'm sorry, and um, all the great public speakers of the world say you never start out a conversation by saying I'm sorry, but I'm I'm going to abandon that this morning and say sorry for making you sit there and look at these pasty white legs that kind of match the robe that I'm wearing. Um, But this morning, we will talk about what it means to say sorry, particularly as it relates to being um, naked before God. I am reminded of a time in my life when I had to say sorry, and I thought I would just, you know, I would be real with you. I'd be vulnerable for a minute, and I would share that. So I was 16, 17 years old. I had the coolest part-time job. My dad's sister and her husband owned a, owned a local uh, tire and car service center in, the home, in my hometown. And so I would go there after school and work for hours. Um, it was the grossest job I ever had. Um, I remember going home smelling like tires and brake dust and, you know, black from head to toe. You could get in the shower and just wash, watch stuff just run off. It was, it was really gross, but I loved the job. And so we had a family friend um, who owned this car, and it was a 1975 Stingray Corvette. And one day, Mr. Walker said to me, Daniel, I tell you what, if you will take the car to work tomorrow um, and rotate the tires for me, you can drive the car to school and just kind of have it for the day. Now, I was on cloud nine. This was not just some Stingray Corvette. This was a beautiful, I mean pristine, had won several best of show awards. I mean, it was a beautiful car. And so I was over the moon that I was going to get to drive this car for the day. And so um, I went before school that morning. I picked up my girlfriend. We went to school. You know, it was great. I left during one of the periods and went to McDonald's and got breakfast for the whole class. I mean, every opportunity I could think of to drive this car, I seized the opportunity. And so after school, I go to work, I do my job. And then after work, my cousin, who also worked there, um, we were going to rotate the tires on Mr. Walker's Corvette. So we begin the process of doing all of that. Um, We get it tidied up, and I thought, okay, I've got just enough time to go eat dinner. Um, pick my girlfriend up, and then return the car. So I leave work, and I'm driving to my girlfriend's house, and I go through this left-hand turn, and I will never, ever, ever, as long as I live, forget the sound that I heard. It was the tire falling off of a car. (laughs) So I thought that my cousin, who was helping me, had tightened the lug nuts on that side of the car. He, on the other hand, thought I had tightened the lug nuts on that side of the car. Um, You know the moral of the story here. It didn't happen, and as I was driving, the wheel falls off of this pretty pristine car. So I freaked out. I called my cousin. He came. He helped me. We got the tire back on. But the damage was already done. 
You see, what I learned through this experience is the rear half of a 1975 Stingray Corvette is fiberglass. So it wasn't like I could just buy a new fender and pop that on. No, it took some real work. It was going to take a, an artist, a real craftsman, to fix my mistake. And obviously, that couldn't be done before I had to return the car. So I remember walking into Mr. Walker's house that night. I was trembling. I was absolutely terrified. I even started to cry. And I had to look at him and say, Mr. Walker, I am sorry. This beautiful car, this one-of-a-kind car, I have broken. And at the heart of it all, I knew that it was my fault. It wasn't just an accident. I had not thoroughly done a job, finished a task, and it was my fault. And I had to own up for that. So I stood there in his living room, and I weeped, and he laughed. And thankfully, he said, oh, son, that's what good insurance is for. <laughs> Having to say I'm sorry is tough. Regardless of the circumstances, it's tough. Why is saying sorry so difficult? Throughout all of the reading and all the psychological studies and things that I have looked at this week, the essence of what I find is this. It's so hard to say we're sorry because we have to admit that we have done something incorrectly. We have messed up. We missed the mark. That's why it's so hard to say I'm sorry. The great novelist C.S. Lewis often asked people the question, what is the most important conversation of your day. People would often respond. They would say, well, it's the conversations we have with God, of course. To which Lewis would reply, no. And this is his response. In fact, it is the conversation you have with yourself before you speak to God. Because in that conversation with yourself, you decide whether you are going to be honest and authentic with God or whether you are going to meet God with a false face, a mask. So in this moment that we come before God and we say, oh, great God, we are here and we thank you for all that you have done for us, we have an opportunity to decide whether we are going to meet God with a mask we're going to put up these barriers and pretend that God doesn't know what we've done wrong. Or we have the opportunity to say, God, I am sorry for. I am sorry for the places where I have not done what you have asked me to do. Why even say we're sorry? Why does that even matter? The author of this book, Naked Spirituality, Brian McLaren, says this. He says that when we say I'm sorry to God, it's simply saying I acknowledge what you already know. Now, this was pretty profound because last week at um, a gathering of young adults uh, after worship, one of them said, you know, I feel kind of odd 
saying to God things that I'm feeling because I believe God knows everything before I say it or do it or speak it. So what is that all about? Now, this person hadn't even read Brian McLaren's book at this point, but I thought, you know, that really is a profound statement. If God knows our actions and our thoughts and our deeds before we even do them, what's the point? Why do we need to repeat them to God? God is all-knowing. And that is affirmed in Scripture. I want to share with you Psalm 139, the first six verses. Hear now the word of God. Lord, you have examined me. You know me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. Even from far away, you comprehend my plans. You study my traveling and resting. You are thoroughly familiar with all my ways. There isn't a word on my tongue, Lord, that you don't already know completely. You surround me front and back. You put your hand on me. That kind of knowledge is too much for me. It's so high above me, I can't even fathom it. And so, the psalmist writes these elaborate words. But at the heart of it all, God knows us. God is familiar with our ways. There is nowhere that we go that God isn't present with us. Whether we realize it or not, nowhere in life do we travel that God isn't right there beside us, in front of us, behind us, and surrounding us. So why is it important to say, I'm sorry? You see, it is about a self-evaluation. The ability to say to ourselves and to God, I've missed the mark, is huge. It breaks down all of the barriers, all of the fake facades that we put up. It gets us one, you know, just that ever so slightly closer. It makes our communication with the God that breathes life into us that much easier. When we try to pretend like we've done no wrong and um, we, we try to think, you know, God doesn't know that I did that. Surely, you know, we're going to pretend it didn't happen. We build barriers. We put up fences. What does this look like in real life? You know, it's one thing to imagine it ourselves and God, but what does it look like in real life? I was reminded of a story about uh, a a celebrity. You saw a video of several celebrities uh, making public apologies. Um, One that wasn't on that video uh, was a guy named Lance Armstrong. Not our Lance Armstrong, but the real one. Um, (laughs) Lance Armstrong was an elite cyclist. From his early teen years was the best the sport had ever seen. The problem is Lance came up in an era where the sport of cycling was tainted. Now, you know, um, if you don't know, one of the things you should know about me is I'm an avid cyclist. I love the, the camaraderie. I love the spirit and the nature of cycling. I love the exercise and the ability to get out on a bike and to just be in God's creation. 
Um, and so I follow cycling pretty closely and for a long time have been aware of allegations and rumors of things that Lance may or may not have participated in. For over a decade, Lance was you know, solid. He was firm. He would sit on talk shows and before um, juries and just swear, I did not take performance-enhancing drugs. I did not dope. A handful of years ago, many of Lance's close friends and teammates finally found themselves worked into a corner, and they decided that they were going to come clean, and they made their own set of public apologies, and they had to say, I am sorry, I did something wrong. But Lance, no, he would not bend. He swore up and down, under oath and everything. I didn't do it. I'm innocent. And he turned on those friends and those teammates. He called them liars. He sued them for defamation of character. He built these barriers between he and his friends and colleagues until finally, several years ago, he sat down with Oprah Winfrey. And he admitted that yes, he too had participated in illegal activity. And it was at that moment when he said, I am sorry, when he owned up to what he had done, that he could then begin rebuilding those relationships. That he could have a foundation to um, to begin building on. You know, he, had, he did so much damage, so much was torn down in his lies and his barriers, but now it was kind of a clean slate. So what does this have to do with us and our faith journey? How does this tie into our being naked before our God? We have to be willing to admit our wrong, to admit our faults, and to say to God, I am sorry. It is at that point when we clean the slate, we create a foundation where we can build our relationship with our God, the God that created each and every one of us the God that daily pours God's spirit into us. Now, sometimes sorry is a very personal thing. We have to say, I'm sorry for a lot of things that we do personally. But sorry can sometimes be a corporate endeavor as well. Sometimes as people of faith, we have to stand together and say, I'm sorry. Take a look at this video uh, that depicts what corporate sorry looks like. I pledge allegiance to the flag. All the students at Franklin Elementary start every day with a pledge. Indivisible. But the justice for all part belongs to five fifth grade boys. Why pick on someone who needs, has special needs? Yeah. They're talking about James Wilmer. Hi, 
is who learns a little differently was than most of the other fifth graders. Coins. They're like using them. Which it turns out and taking advantage of them can get a guy teased. Coins because he's easier to pick on. This is not right. Which is why Gus, Tyler, Landon, Jake, and Jack <laughs> decided this year to have James's back. Really, kind of makes you proud to be their teacher. Mallory Hauk says the school's anti-bullying lessons must have struck a chord. Landon. But this has gone beyond even her expectations. Thank you. James's mom's too. He used to not want to go out for recess or anything. It would be like a struggle. Hike. And now he can barely eat his lunch to get outside to play with those guys. <laughs> play and learn. He has a notebook with over oh. 600 teams of college. Gustavus Adolphus. That's how much he likes sports. Nebraska. They learned, too, that James was adopted from an orphanage in Columbia and that six years later he lost his new father in a bicycle accident. And we just got a basketball hoop last week because he now loves basketball. I mean, they're changing him. And they're still not done. We're like, do you have any sports games? He's like, and he was like, no, I don't have any video game systems. So that's when I came up with the idea. With some of their own money and some from their parents, the boys recently delivered to James video games and a new PlayStation. Every one of them was smiling like crazy. The first time friends had ever come to play with James. I'll never forget it. Never. Jack, what? You tie my shoe. Yep. In. Divisible. <laughs> He's an awesome kid to hang out with. You're too fast! <laughs> MVP! <laughs> Boom! Touchdown! Woo! All of these guys are, are the best friends anybody could ask for. No Franklin fifth grade friends have ever pledged allegiance like the James gang. It's my 12th touchdown. All of you guys. These young men saw an injustice. They saw a, uh, a friend, a classmate who was being picked on. And they together corporately said, you know, we're sorry and we are going to do something about that. We're going to make that right. So I have two questions for us today, myself included. Lord knows when I lay down at night, I have plenty to say I'm sorry for. What do you need to speak to voice? What do you need to say I'm sorry for? When it comes to your relationship with God, your faith journey, where do you need to say I'm sorry? How can we corporately, people of faith, Say to a world around us, we are sorry. I want to begin to conclude the message with a quote from Thomas Kempis. He says, the acknowledgement of our weakness is the first step to repairing our loss. The knowledge of our weakness is the first step to repairing our loss. So this day, as we go from this place, where are our weaknesses? 
How can we be more naked before God? What do we need to say, I'm sorry for? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. The best news of all of this is no matter how many times we have to say I'm sorry or what we have to say I'm sorry for, God's grace, love, and mercy is right there waiting for us. Um, So this day, as we go into all of our different places of life, may we go knowing that it's okay to say I'm sorry. This week, may we get just a little more naked before our God. Go in peace. Amen. Amen.